0: Hello and welcome again to Let Us Know with me, Vino. Today, I'm talking to...
1: Avian. Hello. Hi, Avian. Avian, what's your full name? My full name is Avian Azad. Why don't you tell everybody what Azad means? I'm not actually too sure. It's a Persian word, right? I think so. Originally, right? Original May have come from there, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So kind of like freedom, right? Free or freedom? I'm not
1: too sure about that, but could be
0: could be okay, okay so
1: i I have an
0: Afghan kind of Indian background, so that word carries over from all over South Asia for kind of significance because it was used a lot in the last hundred years, especially as a freedom fighting word. but it's cool that your last name is Azad, okay <laughs> you didn't know that that's funny, okay, <laughs> um tell me this: how did you come to be? A participating member of the Low Entropy Foundation?
1: Well, it all kind of started when I was reading my school's Microsoft Teams channel.
0: So I'm going to stop you there. When you say school, what school? Like Where, where do you go to school?
1: I go to uh, Sir Winston Churchill Secondary. It's kind of in South Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I'm in 10th grade currently. So yeah. And then continuing on. Uh, so uh, my grades counselor, uh, she mentioned being able to participate in these sessions facilitated by a company called Low Entropy as part of their Youth Empowering Youth program. And then I became somewhat interested because it was kind of an opportunity I've never really walked across before. So I decided to, I had to sign up and see how the sessions are like. And then from then on, I started attending the sessions and I soon really enjoyed it because it taught many things that I'd you know, be able to use in my school life or my personal life, both you know very useful. And then after that, there came the opportunity of becoming a facilitator. And then with that facilitator opportunity, I first had to do the YY training. So that required me to graduate the program and then apply. And then from then on, it kind of came from being able to be doing the requirements from a YY training to a full-on facilitator. And then that's uh, sort of in the position I am right now. So the last time I facilitated a session was over the summer. And that was also the first one, the first time I've ever facilitated with another uh, facilitator rather than like one in training. So, wow! It's a brief summary.
0: So you you go to Churchill. I'm really familiar with uh, South Van and all the schools around there because uh, when I grew up, I used to hang out there a lot, especially in Moberly Park with all the rough dudes that used to play hockey and hang out there. I used to. I grew up around there too a lot. I'm in North Burnaby now, but we used to hang out there a lot. So. At Churchill, it was like a guidance counselor that introduced you to Low Entropy, or it was just like it was a special studies course or something like that?
1: It was just our guidance counselor. There's one per grade and one for like ELL and whatnot. ELL meaning? Uh, Like English uh, English learning language for those uh, foreign students who newly arrived to Canada. And then, so yeah, uh, the grade counselor from there. Someone posted on the uh, Teams channel from the section for uh, grade nines, which was back then. So that's kind of how I started off.
0: So you tell me this, is the guidance counselor part of Low Entropy or Low Entropy has, from your understanding, started to, how can I put this? Started to get high school students informed about the youth empowering youth. Was it like that or or the guidance counselor just knew about the program?
1: It was to get kids to perhaps uh, show interest in it and to kind of inform them as an option.
0: What I mean is like, what do you think? Do you think the guidance counselor is a part of Low Entropy or they were just the guidance counselor and her team or other schools in Vancouver and the Vancouver area have been introduced to Low Entropy and the Youth Empowering Youth Program? What do you think?
1: Uh, I think uh, it's, a, it's definitely the second option because, you know, it's kind of a, it's a familiar thing. Uh, they usually post these kind of opportunities every now and then. It's very common with other schools as well. So that's, that's what I think.
0: Okay, cool. So in the program you've met or you've come across other uh, young people of the greater Vancouver area that want to take part in the youth powering youth program, right?
1: I've uh, met one. That I recognized, yeah. That you recognize. Okay. But you, what
0: I mean is when you get to, I don't know if you, it's hard to get to know them online, but uh, I guess some of them do say that they're from Surrey, Burnaby, Vancouver, things like that. That's what I meant.
1: Uh, Speaking from like from people I know in Vancouver, uh, yeah, I've noticed like one or two perhaps.
0: So then the other youth are from where now? Because some of the other guests that I have on, we're kind of global now. Because some of the volunteers are all over the place. And when I say that, I say not only in different provinces in Canada, but some of the volunteers are in different countries, in the Caribbean, in Africa. Uh, when I was running content creation team, I had two members, one from Bangladesh, one from India. So when you say other members or the other youth that are in the program, where did you notice that they were from?
1: Most of them that I encountered were either in two groups, people who are kind of familiar with the lower mainland area and people from the eastern coast of Canada, Oh wow! but not many times I've ever heard like elsewhere. Like maybe, yeah, I've definitely had a few Americans, like maybe in Washington or somewhere down south, Uh, but uh, not necessarily in a place as far away as maybe like somewhere in Central Africa or in, like Europe or something like that.
0: Okay, so not so international, but... The program, the Youth Empowering Youth program is spreading across Canada and even into northern U.S. Okay, that's cool. That's cool that you get to go through the program or meet young people from there. So you said also that the guidance counselor uh, was introducing these options as part of ELL, so the English language learning. So what's your story? Are you born and raised in Canada? or Yes. Are you, yeah, you're born and raised? Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, so th- those options are just given in different sort of uh, learning areas at school, and then you took part in it, like you said, because you saw the opportunity for yourself to kind of grow there. And when did that all happen? When did you when did you start taking part of the Youth Empowering Youth program?
1: Um, it started from around twenty twenty one, like early to mid twenty twenty one. Okay, that was uh, when I came across it, and then. I signed up for the uh, for some of the sessions.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you sign up for some, okay. So walk. Let's okay. So for people who don't know, youth empowering youth is a big part of the foundation, and it's for uh, young people. So what's the age limit there?
1: As far as I know, it's around uh, the youths that I've mostly communicated with are from the ages of around eleven to eighteen. Although, if I'm not mistaken, there are programs for younger kids than that. But uh, for the YUI specifically, it's usually from 11 to 18 that I've noticed the most. Okay. So it's actually quite a quite a range if you think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So late elementary, junior high school, up to high school, and then you are off uh, considered an adult after that, so you get into the adult programs. But listeners, if you go on to the... Let us know with Vino a link. You'll find some, uh, like, link to uh, where our podcasts are. Above that, you'll find some podcasts that we did right in the beginning. And there's a podcast that we did with Matthew. And Matthew is the founder of, one of the founders of Youth Empowering Youth. And it's kind of like this, Avian. It, it's kind of exactly what the title says Youth Empowering Youth. It's a program to empower you, right? Absolutely. Okay, so then empower you in the sense of what are we talking about? Give you self-defense classes, uh, make you a warrior. What are you getting empowered with when you are a youth and you join Youth Empowering
1: Youth? Well, unfortunately, uh, we kind of don't really provide self-defense for that. <laughs> you probably have to look elsewhere or maybe take physical classes because I don't think online's the best for that. Uh-huh. But uh, on a serious note, though, uh, youth empowering youth. at uh, The program offers uh, uh, empowers youth with kind of like sessions about uh, responsibility, how to set realistic goals, and um and how to set also realistic expectations. So, kind of equipping us and empowering us with the skills that are needed to succeed in the modern world. Uh, these kind of skills that are you know kind of simplified down to its core that are taught here. Those are just some of the things that are. That are taught in youth empowering youth, and it's uh, very important in the sense that um, that it helps sort of like like beyond school. You know, that's kind of obvious, but beyond school, it helps with you know fostering better relationships, problem solving, and whatnot. So those things can empower us both in the educational field as well as you know socially. So those are kind of just a few examples of how. Youth emp- of how Y-E-Y kind of empowers youth as per the name?
0: Well, I can see why you're a facilitator because you put it you put it in good word. You made it very succinct. So I'm going to reverse a little bit. I'm going to go back to a word that, that struck me. You said it empowers youth or re-empowers them with the idea of responsibility. So when I think of, because I used to be a teacher too, and I'm an enlivened coach still, um, I used to work in a big corporate environment, and you know I'm the oldest brother in the family, so uh, I think of responsibility and a lot of things click and come to my head. So when I'm thinking of you in school, responsibility, teacher uh, teaches you a lesson, then they give you homework, then say Avian and in the rest of the class, this is due by this day. You get home, you grab your Xbox or your PlayStation, you start playing games. Your mom or your dad, your older brother, sister, somebody comes around like, did you do your homework? And then Responsibility kicks in. Now, that's kind of my idea of what most people would react to responsibility. And that's kind of what the education system is there. Even public schools are there to do, right? Give people, um, bring them along. Like the teacher said, this was due by this day. I don't care about these excuses that you have. You have to produce this work by this day. Now, you said that it empowers youth with. The idea of responsibility. What's different with youth empowering youth that you feel strengthen your idea or your belief of responsibility? Being responsible.
1: Well, I guess just to kind of provide a bit of a comparison, well, uh, to like kind of different definitions of uh, responsibility. Um, So one that you that you mentioned is, you know, the responsibility to kind of get things done. You know, uh, put away you know, fun stuff aside and focus on what's, you know, important for you. But at the same time, there's a responsibility that YUI teaches us that is beyond school. In school typically they just they teach you uh, predominantly skills that you may use in like if you're probably in university, post any type of post secondary, or perhaps in a corporate job environment as you've mentioned before. But what YUI does slightly different is that they bring out rather than uh, focusing on a scope like that, which to be fair is kind of what school is for, right? Kind of to get you educated and get you prepared for post-secondary. It brings it out to a wider scale by including, you know, extra personal things and other stuff, you know, beyond uh, school and personal, such as uh, factors like social justice, perhaps uh, things that, uh, things that also involve responsibility elsewhere.
0: Okay. Social justice. Give me an example of what triggered that or what. When you were going through the program and social justice, the words that you just used, like it, it, it said like, yeah, wow, I, I understand that, or I didn't realize that, that it was in that kind of school. Give me that example.
1: Um, perhaps like a like a real world example of like how this might relate, or
0: no, no, I'm, I'm just like, I want people to understand that youth empowering youth is a great program. So a lot of the listeners are adults. So if they have young children and like they're listening to you, um, we had one of your colleagues, Kiara. She was on one of the bigger podcasts before they had their TED Talk in Vancouver, and which I know you were a part of, I think too, right? You were a part of that TED Talk too, right? That youth empowering youth one. Yes. But to listeners, I want them to understand like it's a viable option for them to encourage their children to join or be a part of. You're a facilitator, but then you sometimes may not be challenged by these words, but you you said them with a little bit of passion, and I want that passion to come out. Like you said, responsibility for youth. That And then when I think of school and the public school system or the private school system, I think that uh, you get it all there. But if you're in a family environment, you get it there too. A lot of people are not in a family environment because things happen. But if a program like this can give it to them, awesome. It's a good option. You said the word social justice. So I was thinking, for you, is there an example for you that you were like, while you were in the program, you're like, okay, yeah, I should look at it that way. It made me understand it in a better way.
1: Well, one thing I could definitely possibly link, uh, I could possibly link with the YY program about kind of like uh, goal setting and whatnot. A uh, specific example for me especially would be uh, something like food security or homelessness. Mm-hmm. like. Those type of issues, first of all, need to be addressed by simply acknowledging that they exist and what the problem is, right? Yeah. That's the first thing. And then we have to find out like what's the core of the problem and then fi- and then build it on from there and then find a solution. There there's many ways that this could possibly happen, and it depends on issue by issue, but that's kind of the general format of that, what that does. And then what YEY does is that it kind of like it uh, kind of streamlines um, you know, your experience of finding solutions to those kind of things and like thinking about those kind of things. Because it's a very step-by-step process to solve a problem, uh, effectively, or at least to a degree. And that's kind of the things those are kind of the ideas that have been uh talked about in YEY, such as this might be able to some viewers, but take action with small steps. Like that's definitely one that uh that very much resonates with this one. That is one that certainly kind of like, kind of reminiscent in this example. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And kind of also the idea that if we all contribute at least a little bit, make something bigger. Awesome. Like that kind of general idea. Awesome.
0: That's cool. I, I, I'm going to interrupt you there because that goes right back to what the Low Entropy Foundation is. The word entropy is chaos, right? On a level of atomic level, even. Everything is in chaos. Mm-hmm. But we are on a human level just trying to make it a little less, like low entropy. So when you think of that and the youth empowering youth be there and what you just said, yeah, you're growing up, you're in school, you're seeing injustice on the street. You're seeing injustice in public. So these ideas come into your mind. So it's, is it a kind of a forum as well? People get to discuss those things. Uh, you Young people that are part of the program, they get to learn the idea of social justice uh, and express themselves in it or have an idea that giving back is the way to do it. I think that,
1: yeah, uh, what you said right there uh, was kind of uh, summarizes it where it gives you an idea of like what you need to do. It kind of gives you the idea of, of you know, what, of like stuff that could possibly happen if like each one of us were to communicate with each other and like foster this kind of reality in a sense. So I guess sort of what may happen is that the program indirectly sort of somewhat I wouldn't want to use the word address, but uh, it indirectly sort of links to the problem because it just because the what the program offers is something that you can use universally.
0: It goes back to that word empowering them, right? So yeah. it empowers you, it gives you that idea. You all of you participants get to talk about it more, you learn about it more, express yourself more with it. I'm getting that from you. And then I'm going to jump to another subject that you highlighted about the program socialization like uh like interconnectivity communication being in school sometimes it's hard things happen people for the first time come into a social environment every day and then uh, it doesn't always go the way that they thought it was going to go what are some of the things that you're getting empowered with when it comes to socializing
1: well an example that I've kind of seen from time on that has certainly affected how I do things uh, nowadays. It's kind of like problem solving within groups. Like, let's say in a project, and there's a mild disagreement about you know what the final product should look like.
0: Just to interrupt, group project with other individuals, right? Yeah, that you may or may not be friends with.
1: Yeah, like uh, it's certainly you know been more the case than with people with friends with, mm-hmm. especially in high school. Yeah. So being able to adequately communicate what your ideas are, being able to respectfully engage in dialogue with them, those kind of things are definitely what this program can help with. Because with people you know and you are comfortable with, it's easy enough to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. You know how they are. Yeah. But the thing is, though, in real life, you're hardly surrounded by people you know. So how do you communicate in a way That makes you an effective communicator with everyone else. That's what low entropy does. It gives you those skills that you need to do so to apply in the real life. And that kind of somewhat relates to what I've said, uh, what I've mentioned previously, which is how universal it is. You can use it almost anywhere if the situation kind of allows. So
0: back to the title of the program Youth Empowering Youth. You get empowered to deal in those situations. So yeah, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of you know, where you're going to school, Churchill, and then uh, South Van, I'm thinking all of that area. And I'm thinking of being in a group project. And sometimes people will react with a different level of understanding than the rest of the group members that will cause some anxiety that might cause some anger to develop, that might cause some arguments. And I, I'll give you an example. My sister, my young sister, she's married. Uh, she's got twin boys. She lives in, uh, the New York City area, like on Long Island, where she teaches, in uh, Brooklyn and Bed-Stuy. And that area is a low-income area. And there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uh, anger. And there's a lot of trying to get through life there, which is kind of weird because it's, uh, I think, the biggest city in North America. And it's in America. It's in, you know, the most advanced nation, you can say, on the planet in a certain way, in certain ideas, in certain aspects. But still in big cities like that, you'll have youth, and they're not empowered like that. They don't know how to react. So their first trigger is, because of anxiety, triggers their anger. And then they react with anger, and then anger reacts with defense, because cortisol is released, all these chemicals are released in your body, and then it gets rough. But... My sister, it's funny, she's an East Van girl like me. She grew up here, but she's totally made for that city because uh, she's a tough cookie herself. But she just wants to make sure that they get taught and then they have an outlet to empower themselves, like you're saying. But when you say in a social group, group project, yeah, it helps to, parents don't always have the answer. And especially with uh, uh, immigrant parents, they don't always have the answer because they didn't go to school here. Um, I was kind of lucky in one way. My dad came to Canada when he was really young. Um, his family has been here since the 50s. He kind of grew up here. But my mom came after she married him. So she didn't grow up here. But she was really young when she came too. Sometimes it, it's kind of like this. Because I was born here, sometimes I end up teaching them. Does that ever happen with you? You end up teaching? Your, well, are your parents from here or are they immigrants?
1: Uh, they immigrated. So then, do you sometimes end up teaching them stuff? Yeah, like sometimes I kind of teach them, I guess, small things like, um, like I guess phrases and whatnot, Mm. like things you could possibly say to like convey your message better. Because sometimes, like, things in different languages, they're like different comparisons, different cultures, different ideas, right?
0: What do they speak? What do you guys speak at home?
1: Predominantly English, because that's the only language that I'm like, no, what I meant is
0: they're,
1: they're, 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 uh, Native language? Uh, I'm actually not too sure because, yeah, we mostly speak English here at home, mm-hmm. so we kind of all understand like what's going on.
0: What do they communicate in? What language?
1: Yeah, English uh, most of the time.
0: They communicate to each other in English.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like in ha- maybe like half English sometimes.
0: Okay, so you hide in the language. I can pick it right out from your name, but <laughs> it's kind of like this. I'll give you this example. My Background is Afghan Indian. And when I say Indian part, it's only because of my grandmother. My mom's dad, she was from Kashmir. Um, But that was a part of northern India which was absorbed into India and then broken up. But my grandfathers on both sides are from southern Afghanistan. So there's a couple languages there. Pashto is the first language that southern Afghanis speak. And then on my mom's side, because... uh, uh, one of my great-great-grandmothers, she also spoke Dari, which is like uh, Afghan Persian. So on my mom's side… If I'm not spoke-
1: mistaken as well, I think it's in northern Afghanistan, they speak Tajik, because there's like a large Tajik minority there.
0: Yeah, yeah. A, a, lot, a lot of people speak uh, Tajik, for sure. Um, but uh, on our side, and our family, they didn't, right? But what I mean is my… Just to give you that background… My mom's side, they moved down into India a long time ago, like two, 300 years ago. So on her side, they lived in India, and it went through all the different changes. My dad's side, my grandfather, left India before it broke up really early. He went to Singapore because India and all that area was a British colony. He went to another British colony. He went to Singapore, and he went there in the like, uh, late 30s, 40s. And then back and forth between my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandmother finally settled there. And then most of my uncles and my aunt, with my grandfather, were moving to Canada in the 50s. But uh, my grandfather passed away before, just before they came. So all my younger family, so it's kind of funny. My grandmother on my dad's side was left to raise them. She was uneducated because she was married really young. So she knew Indian language. She didn't know Pashto. Which is a Pashtun, like our background language, Southern Afghani language. So she spoke to them in Indian language. So my family on my dad's side lost that. So when they came to Canada in the 50s, they were interacting with a lot of Indians, Northern Indians that moved here. So they spoke to them in Indian language. So at home, and when my mom married my dad, kind of funny, my grandfather, like my mom's dad, He was in the British Army. So he told the entire family, You don't speak Farsi, like Farsi or Pashto anymore. You only speak Urdu because he transferred out of the British Army and left India and went to Pakistan and took his family there. And then he told them, You only speak Urdu or English. And so my mom's family lost that too. They lost two languages, Pashto and Farsi. My dad's family, Lash Pashto, and then my grandmother never taught anybody Kashmiri at all. But what I'm trying to say is when you immigrate around this globe now, generations after you tend to lose. But when I was trying to get to the bottom of uh, what your parents speak and what you end up teaching them, it happens. It, you kind of lose the language as uh, culture moves on. But you being a like, long story short, th- there's no other language that's spoken at home now. It's only in English
1: yeah more so
0: okay well i'm going to encourage you to try to speak that other language with them i'll tell you why because then you lose it you lose uh, the culture right i speak uh, urdu hindi i grew up with a lot of south Asians, so northern south asian so i speak punjabi too i lived in japan i went to high school in japan for about a year and then i worked there so i lived there for a total of seven years so i speak japanese but the only reason was because there was a program a long time ago. The other listeners know this because I've said this before, but language on this globe is a key to getting into different cultures and understanding and going back to some of those things that you said, using those uh, key skills like when you're in a group environment and you don't know the people and there's anxiety and socializing with them. Some of those skills that you talked about when you're multilingual, they intertwine together, right? So as you grow, you as you said, yeah, you're going to see these skills are going to be of value to you. So a couple of things I want to get to before we end today. One, you're a facilitator now with Youth Empowering Youth. Yes. What does that entail? What do you do?
1: Uh, well, to sum it up, uh, in collaboration with another facilitator, we, uh, we uh, share certain exercises in a session with a common theme. And then we break up some of the groups uh, to do those exercises and whatnot. And we come back at them to ask them, you know, what they did or what they thought about it. So overall, just running the sessions and then briefing the youth coach that typically attends the sessions as well. What happened, kind of some summaries, what we're going to be improved on. That's generally speaking, a big bulk of the work that we do.
0: Cool. So you enjoy it because you're still with the program and, and you're contributing a lot of your time for it. Yes. Okay. And then another reason why I know you enjoy it, because I mentioned this before, the Youth Empowering Youth program from the Low Entropy Foundation was highlighted in the recent TED Talks that were held here in Vancouver on Granville Island. And I know Kiara was a part of uh, that talk. You were also one of the people that were a part of it, right? Yes. So tell me how that went, being in front of all those people speaking.
1: Oh, like I attended the... uh the pilot program, and uh, did that kind of stuff. Not necessarily the TED Talk. Sorry for that confusion. Might have confused it there.
0: Oh, you attended. Okay, so you weren't one of the speakers. Okay. Yeah. Understood, understood. No,
1: my time schedule is quite uh, packed for one of those. Hmm. So I wasn't able to do it. If I had the time, I probably would have, but reality is reality.
0: I don't know. I think you would have been a a great representative there. I I just wanted to highlight to everybody that uh, Youth Empowering Youth as a piece of Low Entropy was highlighted at that TED Talk. So was our founder, Vanessa Wadeski. We're going to have her on again, actually, talk about that. But uh, hey, I enjoyed talking to you. So if there's parents out there, if there's youth listening and they want to get in contact with you, do you have a low entropy email address?
1: Yes. It's just Avian, but all low caps, at, I think it's uh, lowentropy.com. Dot org, right? Dot org, yes.
0: So Avian, how do you spell it? that people know.
1: A-B-H-I-Y-A-N at lowentropy.org, right? Yes.
0: Okay, cool. Then they can reach out to you. Well, I want to thank you for talking and spending the time with us, Avian. It was great talking to you. And you're a great representative of uh, Youth Empowering Youth. And I wish you all the best. And I'm glad you sort of cleared up a lot of those things for people. To the L.E. Fam. Until next time, lots of love and peace out.